I want to invite you to stand with me. If you would, take your uh, Bible, if you've got the Version app on your phone, or if you've got a physical uh, copy of the scriptures. We have stations at the back, up in the, lot, up in the balcony, and if you ever need a Bible, you can just take one of those. Those are there for you. And I'm going to be reading aloud from 1 John, the letter that uh, John, one of the first disciples of Jesus, wrote. We're going to be looking at this for the next several weeks. I'll read aloud. You can follow along on the screen. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Can you read that last verse 6 with me, all of it? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. One more time. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. We are shifting gears as all of our students are launching out into adulthood and all the rest of us are still trying to figure out what it means to be an adult. And we're going we're gonna to define this uh, word, this new word, adulting. Some of you are like, what did, adulting, what do you mean? Now, if you're under 35, you know exactly what that word is. If you're over 35, what are you, what are you talking about? It's just the way to say, be an adult, right? It's just a new, new way, that, but language changes, so don't get worried about it. Uh, but just we're going to define adulting. What does it mean to be an adult? How do you, how do you grow up? How do, you, how do you get there? And uh, it's hard. I think we all know that. There are memes. Memes, again, if you're under 35, uh, over 35, you might not know what this is, or under 40. These are just uh, pictures that are funny. And so we got a couple about uh, being an adult, uh, perks of being an adult. I can eat 26 cookies. No one can stop me. Cons of being an adult. I ate 26 cookies. No one stopped me. I feel awful, right? That's pretty much uh, adulting means you drink coffee out of the pot, keep going, keep going through that. Am I going to miss the whole summer? Don't worry, boy. When you're an adult like me, you'll miss all the summers. Isn't that? That's pretty true. <laughs> Paid all my bills, have $1.45 left over, right? Adulting, this is kind of a, these are, these are memes so you can find them online about what it means and what it feels like to be an adult. Now, we all, we all walk the same path. We all uh, go from being children uh, to teenager to adults, and, and there, we all have challenges as we make those transitions. Uh, but making the, the, the transition from being a child to being a teenager is actually a really big deal. Now, I don't know if you know this, the two most rapid periods of growth in any human being's life are, this is both two-year time spans. You know what they are? Zero to two. So if you're raising a zero to two-year-old, give yourself a bunch of grace because, man, they are changing. Um, and then the second, you know, you know what it is? 11 to 13. So if you want to kill your middle schooler, that's why, because they are changing. So give them a lot of grace. If you're raising someone or helping someone else raise someone who's that age, give them a lot of grace. There's a lot of change happening. Um, but then th- those transitions are very hard. When, when a student makes the shift from fifth grade to sixth grade, we have one of those in our house, Corbin. And then when a student makes the shift from eighth grade to ninth grade, we have one of those in our house. And then when a, a student makes the shift from high school to adulthood or college or whatever is next, uh, those are really challenging transitions, and, and I honestly think even though the most rapid period of growth are those two time frames in our lives, I think it's the hardest today when you make the transition from being a student to being an adult. It's just kind of like we just shove you out into the world, and we go, there you go, I hope you did okay. Isn't that how it felt for a lot of you? You're an adult, succeed. 
And so we're going to talk about how you actually do that. Uh, took, took a little poll on our uh, Facebook page and asked the question, how many of you had someone who taught you how to be an adult? And 66% of the people who took that very informal poll said, I didn't. Didn't have anybody. I think that's the majority of us. And so we're going to uh, talk about how in the world uh, we grow up. Now, um, I I want you to think about adulting as a journey. I want you to think about it like a road trip. You take a road trip, you have mile markers that come down the line, you know, and it tells you how far it is to your destination. And if you've been to that place before, it's somewhere you like to go. Maybe you go to the city and you go to the theater uh, and you know, you know, when I get to this, when I see this smokestack, that's where you've landmarks that tell you how far you are on the journey. And those, those mile markers and those landmarks, they show you that you are making progress. But here's the reality. There are no landmarks and signposts that tell you when you are making progress as a, a human being. Can, can we agree on that? Just, especially the journey into growing up. So this, what this, that's what this series uh, is all about. Now, there are, there are basic questions that we answer, and, and the reason I'm, I'm saying this, especially this, this service is a little, a little bit older than the next service, and you have a lot of wisdom and experience, a lot of you do, um, but this is what your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, these are, the, these are the stages they are going through, and so you need to be aware of this because they matter to you. Um, when you're a teenager, you're asking the question, who am I? You're trying to figure that out. When you get into your 20s, you're asking the question, who am I going to be connected to? How do, I, how do I get close to people? And then when you get into your 30s, you're asking, what is it that I can actually contribute that's meaningful to the world? And then when you're on, in your 40s, you're, you're asking kind of the question again, I'm there, like, am I on the right path? Is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing again? And uh, we're not talking to you if you're 50s and 60s because you're helping us figure it out, the rest of it out, okay? <laughs> so this is really a series to give you a vision for uh, adulting. We want to help you figure out success. So if you were to answer the question, what exactly is the goal of life? What would you say to that question? I want to suggest to you, and we're going to look at what Jesus says about this in a second, That the goal of life, if you're taking notes, is to learn to love. That's it. Get to the end and you're great at that. You have been a success. Now there are, we know, a ton of alternate goals that you could uh, go for. Uh, The goal that you could go for is I'm going to earn a lot of money. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of people give a huge percentage of their life to that as the goal. If I have a lot of money at the end, I must be a success. Uh, Another goal that people uh, shoot for, it's an alternate goal, is they they make a name for themselves. You know, they want to be somebody. They want to be seen as important. They want to be seen as uh, someone that's valuable. Again, nothing wrong with that, but some people give everything to that. Now, now, if, especially if you grew up on, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, it is a whole new day online on social media. Uh, if you're in that world, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but if not, your kids and your grandkids are in a world where your status, your value is based on you post something on social media, and they look at the number of times someone likes that, and that affirms something in them. That's the way you get value. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, again, we got a whole generation heading down that path, and we don't know yet what's going to come of that. It doesn't look positive. 
Uh, you could, an alternate goal you could go give yourself to is I'm going to build my skills and I'm going to be really good at something. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's a great thing. I, I just would want to suggest to you that all of those things are cultural defaults about the goal of life and ways to measure the journey of life as to whether or not you're a success. Now listen, I think that it would be great if you did all of those things, if you made a lot of money, if you made a name for yourself and you had a great reputation and you were fantastic at something. I want you to succeed. I want you to succeed wildly at all of those things and be incredible at what you do. And I want you to be the best teacher or the best millwright or the best doctor or the best plumber in the world. Just Don't think doing that is the goal of life. Those things are a part of life, but they are not the goal of life. Adulting means figuring out uh, how to not confuse the parts with the goal, because the goal is to learn to love. I, I, I love this Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, if you board the wrong train, it's no use running along the corridor in the other direction. So the questions that you ask are more important than the answers that you think you need, if you're you're taking notes. It's a life skill to learn to ask the right questions. Many of uh, of people who are further down the path, if if they could go backwards, they would go backwards and they would say, man, I didn't ask the right questions. And so I got the wrong answers. So learning to ask questions is important. So here's, here's, here's a fundamental question if you're going to get adulting right. Fundamental question, and it's this. At the end, at the end, if you get, and it's an if for all of us, if you get to old age, however you want to define that, what kind of person do you want to be? At the end, what kind of person do you want to be? Now, if you, listen, if you settle for all those defaults of making money, making a name for yourself, being great at something, that's great. I, I mean, that, listen, do, do well at that. But you just need to know that those things have no power to make you a better person. They, they'll shape you and form you in some ways, but they will not make you a better person. You can be the best millwright or the best doctor, but that will not mean that you have become the best person. Do you see the fundamental difference there? I'll tell you about a deal I made with God uh, when I turned 30. I, I think I was, I was trying to serve the Lord when I was in my 20s. Uh, maybe it all clicked for me when I was 30. I don't know. Uh, but I made this deal with God. I said, okay, God, um, I'm 30. I will give you the next 50 years of my life, and then we'll talk. I, I still talk to God. I'm not. <laughs> but I just made this. I said, I, I want to, I wanna, for the next 50 years, if you'll give me that many years, I, I can't guarantee that. I will serve you with everything that I have for the next 50 years. And then when I'm 80, if I've still got energy and I'm still moving around and you got something else for me to do, if you want me to sit in a rocking chair, I'll sit in a rocking chair. But I, until then, I, wanna, I, I'm try, I was trying to answer that question. I was trying to figure that out. And, and so I, I kind of have this picture of myself, and you need to have this picture for yourself because you need to figure out what the end, what kind of person do I want to be. I want to be one of those sweet, kind of funny, old men that young people want to go talk to. And they come to me for advice. That's my goal. Now, where I get that from, and I hope you will get your end question from the same place, I get that from Jesus. Um, Someone came to Jesus at one point and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Meaning, what's the most important thing, Jesus? And so Jesus in Matthew 22 says this, uh, 
Love, listen, listen to the words he uses. Love, which is the goal of life. Love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All of your heart. And with all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. What? What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love. What Jesus says is the, the goal of life. Jesus, the Son of God who is the most successful human being who ever lived, we're still talking about. No one has had a greater reputation than Jesus. No one has generated more money and more, uh, more resources than Jesus. No one is more skilled than Jesus, right? All the cultural defaults, Jesus beat them all. What does he say is the most important goal in your life? Love. Then he, he says it like this in Matthew 23, and then he says, and the greatest among you is one who serves. Listen, Jesus is giving you a vision for your life if you'll accept it, it's that you would love God, that you would love people, and that you would serve the world. You'd have a servant outlook toward people. This, now listen, you gotta have, if you're starting out on the journey, or even if you're, you're like, I've kind of screwed up the journey, and I need to start the journey over again, you can do that. This has to function like a vision for your life. In other words, a picture of what you could be like, the, the goal of adulting done well. It's how you come alive. I would love it, and so would everyone in here who's further down the road, to save you from heartache and mistakes. And just do this. I, I, I mean, if you, it would be a great experiment, especially if you're starting out. Sit down with someone who is several decades ahead of you and say, hey, can you tell me some things that you wish you had done differently? I guarantee you, they will say some version of, man, I, I think I would have given more time to my family and I wouldn't have worked as much. I mean, I guarantee you, I've had these conversations. It's always the same. And, and you can actually learn from other people's dumb mistakes. You don't have to pay the idiot tax like the rest of us. We would like to, we've paid that. And so if, you, if, you'll, if you'll take some insight and some wisdom, you can, you can learn from people who are further ahead of you, and, and you'll figure out that, man, it, my life would be better if I made the goal of my life learning to love. Now, do all those other things along the way. That's part of the, part of the deal. But the goal is that you would learn to love. So here's 1 John. Uh, 1 John is the letter we're going to look at for these next several weeks. And 1 John is writing a letter, and he's talking about this whole process of, uh, in our language, adulting. And he talks about young children, he talks about young men and women, and then fathers and mothers. Like, you might you start out as a child, but the goal is that you would become a father and mother who, who gives life to something else. And this is the progression of life, and I think it's the, the progression of the spiritual life. And now, I'm, I'm convinced of something. I, I don't, I can't point to you anything in the Bible. I, 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 I I can't really find anybody who's written about this, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced this is the way it works, uh, that biology maps the soul. In other words, how the natural processes that God put into your body for growth and health are a pattern for the processes God wants to put in your spirit and the kind of person he wants you to become. So biology maps the soul. And, and what John does is he gives us signposts uh, on the journey. Now, um, when, when we talk about biology mapping the soul, here's, here's what that means. Uh, that means that you have some work to do. We're going to come back to that in a second. So John gives us five signposts of success. 
Now, these are in God's eyes. Remember, the goal is love. And so if you're taking notes, I'm going to go through these quickly. This is going to kind of be a high, um, a high view of it, and then we're going to drill down on these things throughout the series. So here's the first thing. If you're going to figure out success, you need to figure out these five things. Here you go, first one. Uh, and these are all from First John. Figure out who you'll listen to. Who are you going to listen to? In other words, who's going to be your guide? Who's going to be your go-to? John starts out his letter, and he refers to Jesus as, in 1 John 1, 1, as the word of life. The word is, when you read it in the New Testament, almost always refers to Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's God's speech to us. He's what God wants for us. Uh, It's like Blue's Clues, and Blue finds the clue. The clue is Jesus, the word. And, and so the word is Jesus. Yeah, so I, I hope that you, you're going to listen to Jesus. Now, who do you turn to for guidance? Listen, you can turn to your friends. But in all honesty, that's great that you have friends, but they don't know any more than you do. <laughs> um, you, can, you can pay attention to social media. I don't know how good advice you're going to get on social media. It's just get polarized. I don't, I don't know. Absolutely read books because there are whole worlds in books and authors, and you can learn anything from a book almost. You, but you need some adult friends who you, you can spend time with and will, will talk into your experience and give you some wisdom and help you do this and avoid the idiot tax. But most importantly, you need a reliable guide for life. This is why I follow Jesus. I need a guide. I don't know where I'm going often. And I need a guide. So, I, I mean, I, this is so important that you would settle the fact that you're going to listen to Jesus for the rest of your life. Again, talk to someone in here, the path they've been on, and if they made the mistake later in life and then they found Jesus, they'll they'll tell you to a person. Everything changed when I began paying attention to what Jesus said and actually taking it seriously and doing it. That's the first thing. Second, you gotta figure out how to access joy. You gotta figure, John, John, uh, 1 John says it this way, we write this to you, make our joy complete. Life is difficult. Life is hard. Life is painful. And, and this generation especially is dealing with anxiety in a way that no generation before has dealt with that we know of. There's this level of anxiety. And, and anxiety is about a future that you don't want, that you're afraid is going to come crashing in at any moment. And so you are full of fear about what might be. So anxiety is ironically oriented toward the future but it's based on a future you think will be painful and so it creates this inside of you and so everybody it, it seems like is afraid of in one way or another afraid of the future and the antidote to anxiety is joy and so you got to figure out how in the world am I going to be able to regularly access joy part of joy it's not the whole thing but part of joy is laughter listen if you want to diagnose your own heart and soul when you stop laughing something is wrong i don't know who records this and i'm sure it's pretty close to accurate but they say that children laugh 40 times a day adults laugh four Remember how much joy you had as a child if you, if you didn't have trauma around you? Remember how much joy you had? It was like a, it was like a la- everything was something fun. You've got to figure out how to access joy. Proverbs says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Access joy. Third thing, figure out how to submit 
to God. Now, I, this one, submission is one of my favorite words, not for the reason that you think, because um, we think about it as being forced to do something, someone you know, making you submit, but if you, if you understand the word, meaning of the word, it means you have a mission that comes underneath someone else's mission. You, you put your mission underneath God's mission in life. And this is how First John, this is how John says it in, in verse uh, 3 of chapter 2. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now, if you could, if you could, uh, where it says we obey his commands, if, if you were to put your faith, hand over that and you were to say, we know that we have come to know him if, how, if you didn't know the second half of that, how would you answer that? We know we've come to know him if we are really spiritual on Sunday. If we read the Bible, if we, I don't know how you would answer that, but this is what John says, if we obey uh, his commands. Now that begs the question, why would you ever do what someone else says, just willingly? If you ever take someone's advice and you do what they say, in biblical language, you obey what they say, you, you have three things going on. Number one, you trust that person. Number two, you have the humility to humble yourself, admit that you have some need of help, and you're willing to do what they say. And third, you believe that it will take you somewhere good. So you have trust, you have humility, and you have faith. And those are muscles that you have to exercise. Now, again, biology maps the soul. And uh, I'm, I'm convinced of that. And, and if you know how it works when you go to the gym and you work out, what you are doing is you are, you are taxing your, your muscles. And if you do it right, uh, when you get to the end, you're absolutely exhausted. You get to the place where you cannot do another move. You can't lift that weight one more time. And what happens is, is micro tears are taking place in your muscle, and that's why you're exhausted because your muscle's literally torn. And when you go home and you rest for 48 hours and then come back, your body says, oh, it tore. I need to build back, come back, and be stronger. So it's the same process to develop the trust muscle, the humility muscle, and the faith muscle. You're going you're gonna to figure out, you, it's hard to trust someone, and it's going to be exhausting to trust someone. And then, or you're going you're gonna, to uh, do your absolute best uh, to, to, to be humble, and it's going to be hard to be humble or to have faith. You're going to exercise that muscle. And here's the thing, you're going to get to where you're totally exhausted. I can't trust anymore. I can't be any more humble than this. I'm sick and tired of taking someone else's advice. I'm tired. I don't want to have any more faith. You know what you need to do right then? Biology maps the soul. You need to rest. That's why one of the commands, commands that's given to us is that we take a day of rest every week. Biology maps the soul. Figure out how to submit to God. Uh, fourth thing, figure out how to live a, a different kind of life than everybody else. Everybody else is going to do whatever they want, and they're going to live by the cultural defaults. Why don't you be different? Um, this is how John says it. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Um, we were at a conference, as Jessica and, and Reed and I were at a, a kids and youth ministry conference a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and we were talking about how people are sheep. We're all sheep. The Bible even says that we're all sheep and like sheep we've gone astray. And sheep, as long as you have someone leading them, will go wherever the shepherd goes. And so there were these, it was, they were, it was this arena, and they were making, they had these secure entrances you had to go through every time. And, and everybody, it seemed like, would follow the crowd to one of those gates, and we would look and we would go, oh, if we go just over there about, you know, a quarter of a mile, 
we can get in and not have a line because everyone was like, we've got to go this way. And everybody was going this way. Don't be like that. Live a different life. Live a different way. God made you unique. Enjoy that. Celebrate that. Go the direction that Jesus goes. I don't know where I would be without Jesus. I'm sure I would give in to the cultural defaults and I would be all about making as much money as I could, making people think that I'm awesome, and having as much skill as I could and, and taking pride in that, and I wouldn't care about anything else. You, when you do this, you become a person with integrity. Now, li- listen to what the word means. Integrity means that you are one. If you are disintegrated, disintegrated, that means you are broken into parts. And when you say, I'm going to live in a different way, you bring your whole life into focus, and you take the same person everywhere that you go, and you become more and more a person that is put together. That's what integrity means. You're whole. You're complete. Last thing. Figure out, and we're going to talk about this a bunch in a couple weeks, figure out how to love other people. That's the goal of life. So go your relationships, so goes your life. This is how John says it. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Hate comes from things like jealousy, unresolved conflict, and fear. And every person that you know struggles with those, those things. Everybody. Everybody's like, I... How do I deal with the fact that I feel this toward another person? How do I deal with jealousy? How do I deal with fear? Everybody deals with those things. And in the dark, if you give, if you give full voice to all of those things, what happens is you end up hating people and you don't, you're not close to people. And you push people away. And it's like you're in a dark cave with no light and you don't know which way to go. That's what life is like for people who hate all the time, and they've given into this, and they don't know the goal of life is to learn to love. But then, then John paints this beautiful picture, and he says, but if you love your brother, it's like you're in the light, and you can see. And, and you don't, maybe you feel jealous for a second, but you move past that. Maybe you feel hatred for a second, but you move past that. Maybe there's unresolved conflict, but you learn how to deal with that. And, and in the light, there, there's love, and there's hope, and there's freedom. Well, that's, that's the intro. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about um, maturity killers. We're going to talk about things that will kill your, your path toward uh, adult, being an adult and adulting well. And so I hope you'll be a part of that. I want to pray a prayer of blessing for you. Would you stand with me uh, wherever you are in your journey? I want to I pray a specific prayer of blessing for you, and um, then we'll be done today, okay? Uh, Lord, for my friends who are starting out, and there is fear and also excitement. It's, it's such a mix at that stage of life. All these emotions and all these possibilities, but also all these fears at the same time. I pray that you would put into their mind and heart your vision for their life, of, of, a vision of their life, loving you, loving their neighbor, being a servant. God, give them a better picture of, of who they can become. And uh, give them the, the humility, Lord, to avoid the idiot tax. And for those of us, as we've listened to this, who are further down the road, and we realize, man, we just haven't gotten this right, thank you for your grace. 
that allows do-overs at any time. Thank you that you're never overwhelmed by how broken we are. And thank you that we can start again. So thank you that you're always accepting us into your school of life, and we want to learn from you. And so we give ourselves to you to learn from you. We pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen. You're sent now to love God, love people, and serve the world. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See ya.